Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Nicholas Conger. Uh, I call him Nick uh, because he wants me to call him Nick. He's just become a really good friend. And as I was talking about with, uh, with Kyle Hurley, the producer of the show during the break, Man, we've lost count. I mean, 10, 15 times he's been on the show. But we're so lucky to have one of the leading infectious disease internists in the state at our disposal. And he's such a great communicator. Um, it's really been helpful to me personally, to Kyle and our families. And I hope I hope to your families as well. Um, so now we're going to shift gears. I used to call this side a modified Saints Friday, but we're not going to do that anymore because we're the, you know, the season's behind us. We're going to talk about the Saints for sure. But Jeff Duncan, as you've heard me say so many times, he is a um, he's a you know a, a, an award winning writer and editor and columnist, and he covers the Saints longer than anyone else on earth. But he also just is a you know consummate um, you know professional as it relates to understanding what's going on in the rest of the sports world, and he's a New Orleans specialist. Which, uh, as a result of being sort of someone who I would refer to as a New Orleans professional. You know New Orleans. You've been there through thick and thin. You don't have blood that's set for cold weather, do you, buddy? Uh, no. Uh, I've been huddled up in my house for 48 hours, Ricky. I, I feel like I'm one of those survivalists that's <laughs> been waiting for the end of the earth for decades, and now it's finally come. Uh, I'm, I'm totally a hermit right now. I can't handle this. Uh, been down here 20 years from uh, the Midwest. And my blood is thin to like water right now. <laughs> and as we were as we were talking about, look, I spent I spent some wonderful time there. But New Orleans is a fragile place. You know, it's a sensitive place. So things like uh, you know, thunderstorms affect the power grid and weather, you know, cold weather just kind of messes things up. And the pandemic in particular was a real impact in New Orleans because people, while they may be spread out somewhat they tend to come together in really tight spaces where they do come together, which created people think, you know, they're very critical of the, of the new Orleans mayor, but the reality is she got, she's got a situation she's facing in new Orleans is very specific to new Orleans and Mardi Gras last year set a course. And, and as it relates to the pandemic, that caused countless numbers to die. And, um, you know, she couldn't let that happen again. And uh, you see that clearly in, in your work there, don't you? Yeah. You know, our old um, place of business, NOLA.com, did a really good story recently on tracing where basically the super spreader event happened here. Back uh, to one person. Yeah. Amazing, it's incredible. right? incredible. I read it. Yeah, it was fascinating work. And, and, and that study, I think, uh, really illustrated how it only takes one person to kind of get in a congregation like that in close proximity of other people, which is what Mardi Gras was. It was such a, uh, you know, kind of a catalyst for the spread of the virus, not only here in New Orleans, but also kind of throughout the Gulf South, because Mardi Gras is such a, a huge event uh, throughout America. Really, it's a global event. Yeah. And so it was kind of a perfect storm, right? You had this contagious, infectious disease. Uh, that's transmitted uh, air, through aerosol 
and you're in, you're at parades where you're in close proximity to other people. And uh, we saw what happened. So look, the mayor has caught a lot of grief, but she, I think she's done a, a good job of controlling and managing this thing because our numbers are way down over here. Uh, and th- if we were ever going to have to cancel Mardi Gras, Ricky, uh, I think this was the year to do it because it's so cold. The conditions <laughs> This would not have been conducive to a really enjoyable experience. No, it wouldn't have been. But here's here's the other thing. What it would have done, done, and this is the problem with cold weather, would have forced people inside. And you would have had these huge, you know, congregation of people pressing to get inside these warmer places. And it would have been a disaster in the making. It's, it's unfortunate. It really is. And, uh, you know, we canceled Mardi Gras here in coastal Mississippi as well. And, and it's, it's a big deal, you know, from Bay St. Louis to Biloxi and points in between. I mean, it's a big deal here. And, um, you know, a lot, not a lot of, not a lot of noise about that. I think people for the most part gets it. So it's easy for people on the outside to hear the news about what's happening in New Orleans and be super critical and whatever. But you have to be reminded of how New Orleans got into this fix to begin with last year. And it was Mardi Gras that started the whole process. And, it was uh, it was devastating. And just like Dr. Nicholas Conger pointed out, oftentimes it's what's happening in these health facilities that are determining the actions we need to take. Because when they get so full, New Orleans could not have stood another major uptick. You didn't have the you didn't have the hospital capacity to deal with it. So that's just the reality. Yeah. Um, now, I'll say this. I mean, the, the city rallied around the Yardy Gras kind of phenomenon they did. this year. And it was really a lot of fun. I mean, uh, my neighbors and myself, we we decorated our house in kind of a Shakespeare theme together. And we were on the grid, the map that that the city put together. So we had a really festive atmosphere yesterday. A lot of people going around the city, I should say on on Fat Tuesday, going around the city, uh, you know, following these maps on the house float map. And, uh, you know, people had drinks, people had king cake. They were giving us king cakes on the porch. Uh, masks. People were handing out masks instead of throws. So it was a lot of of camaraderie, even though it was socially distanced camaraderie. And it was a festive festive atmosphere despite the cold weather. And as typical in New Orleans, the Gulf South, we found a way out of no way and made <laughs> made made it made it fun. Yeah, I've seen the pictures and the postings, and uh, it's got a lot of you know, it's got a lot of social media, uh, you know. Uh, exposure and they did they, they, they did that in Bay St. Louis and Hancock County and other places so it's, it's it was starting to take you know take hold and maybe in the future hopefully not in the future <laughs> or maybe right. actually it becomes part of Mardi Gras I know, think it's going to become part yeah there's going to be it's going to be that thing hey listen since we have a shorter time together so let's get right to it as it relates to the Saints I saw a great story on the athletic uh, company you're with the athletic which is one of the most innovative uh, online news and sports companies in the in the united states or actually the world now um, a, a great story about the salary cap implications happening in the nfl right now and as you pointed out before the salary cap is de- is very dependent upon how the nfl as a whole did the year before from a revenue perspective so they knew going in the saints knew going into this they were already going to have an issue because of Drew Brees, and they've renegotiated that contract and made some other moves. But also, now added to that is the impact the pandemic's had on the NFL. So it's affected all the teams. Kind of give us a sense of what's going on these days. Yeah, well, the, the salary cap is dictated, uh, is derived from overall revenues that the league makes. So the players' salaries are, are there's a formula implemented based on the total revenues that the league takes in. 
And uh, it's usually about, I think, 60% of the total revenue is what dictates uh, what the salary cap will be. And because revenues were so far down with the pandemic, the salary cap is driven down. Normally, it keeps going up because revenues keep going up. And so instead of what would have been about a 210 to $220 million salary cap, just based on normal projections, uh, it's going to be about 180 is what we're hearing now. So that's a dramatic drop off. And it's going to impact a lot of teams, especially teams like the Saints, which have been in the business of trying to win another Super Bowl with Drew Brees. Uh, they've been basically robbing Peter to pay Paul, kicking the can down the road salary wise, backloading a lot of their contracts in an effort to try and win another Super Bowl. And it's a really, I think, sound philosophy when you have a window of opportunity like the Saints have. But the fact is, it all comes home to roost. It's like a credit card. Eventually, you got to pay it off. And the Saints are faced with that reality right now. They're going to have a lot of very difficult decisions to make on the roster coming forward. So they, they made one as it relates to Nick Eason, which saves $6 million. Talk about that. And also the renegotiation of uh, Drew's contract and, and some other moves that they made that you're aware of. Yeah, they've already had to release Nick Easton, who's a, a, a valuable veteran lineman who started a lot of games in the last couple of years, versatile guy, but he's had concussion issues, Ricky. And I, I'm wondering if he's even going to play again. He's had so many concussions and along the offensive line where there's engagement of contact, often head trauma on almost every snap, uh, that's a very difficult uh, situation to be in. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Nick Easton retire. Uh, but by doing it early, they allow him to kind of test the marketplace. So I think they did that as a favor almost to Nick Easton, letting his camp know, hey, he's going to be on the market now. You can try and find a, a market somewhere else. Uh, that's the first shoe to drop. Right now, the, the, the last two weeks, the Saints personnel and coaching staffs have been in meetings discussing every player on the roster, trying to determine what the game plan is going to be uh, going into free agency, which starts about in about a month. So they will now have a plan, and they always do it this way, Ricky. They always determine musts, needs, and wants. And that's what uh, comes out of those meetings is who do they must, what, what transactions must they take care of which ones do they want to take care of and which ones do they need? And uh, th that priority scale has dictated how Sean Payton and uh, Mickey Loomis have done business the last few years as they enter the personnel procurement phase of the offseason. Off well, the Saints have been kind of the king of their division. But there's a new king in Tampa. Be interesting to see if Tampa continues to remain strong as we go forward or even get stronger and the Saints maybe slide. So we'll see. We'll talk about that when we come back with Jeff Duncan. We all, I also want to talk about Z Z Zion and uh, what's happening with the Pelicans. It's That's been something to watch. So we'll see you after this break. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Jeff Duncan with us. He is uh, 
Well, he's a Saints expert. He's covered the Saints longer than anyone else on earth, but he has a wide range of topics that he could talk about. One of the topics that he could talk about is horse racing, actually. And uh, I have a friend of mine, Terry Green. He, uh, he and Rick Carter co-own the Island View together. And he has a he has a farm up in Kentucky as well, and he has a, he's into horses. And um, then Bobby Mahoney owns Mahoney's. They own a horse. Uh, he, he and some partners do. Um, one day, I think I'll reach out to Terry. I'd love to get Terry and you on at the same time. Not yeah. just yeah, you know, we can talk about Terry's horse for sure, but but really just talk about this whole culture around horse racing and you know, what that's all about, because, you know, New Orleans has got a you know, kind of a place in history as it relates to that. But but your knowledge of that is much broader. Of course, you know, you know that the Bensons had a hat. Well, I guess they st- she still has a horse and she has a ranch also or a farm up in Kentucky. So, um, you know, so it'd be an interesting conversation. So, yeah, did you yeah, want to say I was a, Well, I'm just saying I'm, I'm fascinated by the history of the sport. You know, it's called the sport of kings because it goes all the way back to you know, Saudi Arabia, and obviously in Europe, it's still a very, very popular sport over there. Uh, you know, we see the Queen every year at Ascot, Royal Ascot. Uh, there's all kinds of different types of cultures around horse racing all over the world. South America, it's huge in Hong Kong. Australia has huge uh, crowds at horse racing at the Melbourne Cup. Uh, so, yeah, it's fascinating to me, and we certainly have our place here in New Orleans, and they just got through this uh, past weekend, Ricky, with the Risen Star Stakes, which is a key prep race for the Louisiana Derby and then ultimately the Kentucky Derby uh, here at the fairgrounds. They managed to get it all in over the weekend despite the bad weather. Uh, and unfortunately, we still don't have fans coming out to the track for the races. Uh, hopefully that will change here in the next few weeks. But uh, it's a big industry. Uh, here in the state of Louisiana, uh, as well as across the country, it is. It is, and we'll we'll plan a show around that. That would be a lot of fun, and you would you would enjoy Terry. He's uh, he's all in and really enjoying the heck out of it. Okay, so um, let's on the on the notion of is there a new king in the NFC South? I think we know the answer to that. But how much do you think that there's going to be? Um, you know, Tampa strengthening and maybe moving up even more and the Saints falling off. What do we have to look forward to next year? Let's do this briefly because I want to get to the Pelicans. Yeah, well, I think it's it's certainly difficult to tell right now. I mean, the Saints did win the division. People tend to forget that sometimes, uh, beat, the, uh, beat the Bucks twice during a regular season. But there's a lot of changes that are going to happen here over the next month, over the next couple months once we get through the draft. So it's very difficult to say right now, Ricky, where – the Saints are going to be because I think there's so many dominoes yet to fall. Same with the Buccaneers. Uh, I think the Saints are still going to be a very competitive team, uh, but it's just hard to say how competitive because we just don't know the answers to so many questions with with the roster going forward. I think they're going to be, they're never going to drop off, I think, while Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis are here, completely off into a 3-13 and type season. They just haven't done it. The worst record the Saints have had since I've covered the team going back to 2000, uh, other than the Katrina season, which when they went three and 13, uh, was seven and nine. And so I, I think they're always going to be competitive and be in that wild card hunt. Okay. And you know this, I'm not a big NBA uh, fan. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I do watch games from now, from time to time. But when I was in New Orleans, uh, of course, for a period of time, we had a box there for, for uh, games, for Pelican games. So I went, you know, went there with, customers and whatever and really enjoyed it actually yeah you know, i got to see the anthony davis years 
Um, Anthony Davis is, did not have the impact to the Pelicans that Zion is going to have. It's clear. And you've said before that the difference between the two is that, you know, Anthony Davis is a great player, but when he, especially when he plays with a, with a team that has good leadership. But in the case of Zion, he is a leader. How much of a difference is he going to make? Are we beginning to see that unfold now? Yeah, well, we're now a little over 50 games into Zion's career. You got to remember, he only played 24 games as a rookie because of injuries. Uh, and I think it's figured, he's figuring it out. And we're seeing right before our very eyes this kid blossoming from potential into a superstar. Uh, the numbers he's putting up uh, historically, we've only seen a handful of players in the history of basketball do what he's doing. And I think the the key, Ricky, is he's doing it at, at age 20 right now. I mean, he's still very young. Uh, this is a guy that's played 50-something games. He's putting up numbers that are surpassing even guys like LeBron James at the same stage of their careers. And he's doing it at a very efficient rate. He's not putting up these numbers in volume because he's shooting a lot of shots and missing a lot of shots and making a lot of mistakes. He's already very advanced in that way. And I think you make a great point. The leadership qualities that he has are rare. He's a guy that's going to be the alpha. And as we saw, Anthony Davis had to go to L.A. to get with LeBron James, who's clearly the alpha in that dynamic duo. I think that's what's going to happen here. It's happening right now organically before our eyes. This team is becoming Zion Williamson's team. And Brandon Ingram, who was an all-star last year, is a great player. He's going to be the number two. He's going to be the Robin Designs Batman. Wow. And so the issue ultimately is it is the issue um, they just need a few better players or is it defense? Yeah, both. I think a little of both. And I think they're going to tweak the roster here in the next few weeks. I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some transactions. Uh, and they need to get uh, this young kid, Kyra Lewis, who's the, the young rookie point guard from Alabama. Uh, he's 19 years old, Ricky. Uh, I think he's emerging as the third guy in that in that core, along with Zion and Brandon Ingram. Uh, he's a terrific young talent. They're getting him more and more time. And I think because of his emergence, it's going to allow them to move some other players. And then they just got to dedicate themselves to playing defense. That's just about effort and energy. They did it the other night in a blowout of Memphis. Uh, they got to show that same consistency on that end of the court. Offensively, they've been the best team in the league for the last month when they started running the offense through Zion Williamson. This well, we're gonna, talent. In future conversations, we're going to talk, keep, keep the focus on I love the thought of a small market uh, basketball team becoming a player. I just hope they can do that. Without the revenue sharing that they have at the NFL, they're at a ba- major disadvantage. Yes. But maybe they can pull it off. This has been uh, Jeff Duncan, and uh, he's just a good friend of the show, and we'll have him against ne- next Friday. So have a great day, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ricky. Have a great weekend, buddy. Stay warm, and we'll see you. We'll see you Monday. Broadcasting safe and sound from the coastal Mississippi studios. This is Coast View, View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk One Hundred Three Point One. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.